When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host, and we have a very big show for you this week. I am not going to lie. This show was challenging to put together, and I don't know why. It just took a really long time to put together. I started writing this show on Wednesday. I finished just a few minutes ago at 9.30 on Friday night. I think a lot of it has to do with the, the Detroit Auto Show happened this week. Um, Fully Charged Live happened last week. And there was just a lot of news to sort through. I really think it was just more like just the the sorting through the news type stuff. Uh, But geez, for whatever reason, man, I feel like a... (laughs) feel like a real loser. It took me so long to put this show together. Normally, it doesn't take that long. It takes a little while, but it doesn't take that long. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our announcements because I don't want to waste a bunch of your time. I want to thank Alan for becoming a patron. Alan went to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt, and he signed up and became a patron. So, Alan, thank you so much for being part of the, the kilowatt family. I really appreciate it. If you needed any help, please feel free to email me. It's Bodie at 918digital.com, and I'm happy to help. But thank you very much for supporting the show. All right, I want to do one more quick thing before we get to the news, and I want to show some love to some members of the community who have their own shows, and I just kind of want to to give a, a plug because I listen to these shows, and I'm fa- I'm a fan, so... The first one is True North EVs. You've heard James on the show before. He has a Hyundai Kona. He has detailed on his show the the, the battery debacle with the Hyundai Kona EV and uh, getting his battery replaced. His most recent episode, he takes his family on a road trip, and then he just kind of details like the the challenges of going on the road trip. So it was a really good episode. I also want to give a plug to Bart Bouchotts. Bart's been on the show before. He listens to the show. He's truly, like all of these people, are just wonderful humans. So this is why I like promoting what they're doing. He has a show, a monthly show called Let's Talk Apple. He also has a monthly photography show called Let's Talk Photography. 
He can be found at bartificer.net. I'll put links to in the show notes if you don't know how to spell bartificer because I didn't either. <laughs> um, but I'll put links in the show notes for this stuff. Uh, but yeah, if, if you like, you know, technology news or photography, Apple news, then you're going to like what Bart's doing. He also does a couple of shows with Allison Sheridan, like Programming by Stealth and uh, what's the other one? Security Bits. Anyway, Bart's just a lovely human being. Please go check out what he's doing. And if you like what he's doing, go and, and support him by listening and let him know he's doing a good job. I have a little follow-up here. A few weeks ago, Allison and Steve were on the show talking about their solar and their battery and kind of the process that they went through. If you want to learn more about that, Allison has written up a blog post on podfeed.com that details that. And she has graphs and she has pictures from the, um, from the app and, and videos and stuff like that. It's, it's a really good post. I highly suggest to anyone to check that out. If this is something you're interested in, you're probably going to learn quite a bit uh, from that post. Now, Patrick, who runs carswithcords.net, that's carswithcords.net, if I can enunciate, Patrick wrote up a blog post called Stormwatch Becomes Firewatch. And without giving too much away, it's all about how power walls help you through these kind of emergencies, whether it's a big wildland fire or, you know, a, a hurricane depending on your situation, keeping the power on is can be more than just a, the minor inconvenience of not having to, you know, not having the ability to watch TV. Like I've always said, you won't fully appreciate um, the money that you spent on home battery backup until you suffer a power outage during a storm or during a heat wave. Really, it doesn't matter what the emergency situation is. Is like when you have the ability to power the things that are important to you during these times, that's when power walls or whatever you're using for a home battery backup, that's when it feels like, oh, this was totally worth it. Like saving a little bit of money on your, on your power bill every month is, is nice. That's the icing on the cake, really. But the cake is having power when nobody else in your neighborhood has power. That's that's really important. All right, that's enough of me droning on. Go to carswithcords.net. That's cords.net. I'll put a link in my show notes. Uh, Patrick's actually been writing blog posts on this site since 2009, and they are very well written, so I highly recommend you checking it out. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our news for this week. The fraud trial for Nikola Motors founder and former CEO Trevor Milton has begun. So it's alleged that Milton defrauded investors. Without rehashing the entire story, Trevor allegedly made claims about Nikola's hydrogen semi-trucks that may or may not have been true. Anyway, I will keep you posted as we learn more, but he's in court right now. So over the last few weeks, we've talked about the bipartisan infrastructure deal that happened here in the United States. Um, part of that money was to build EV charging stations across the United States. It's $5 billion in funding over five years. Each state was responsible to submit a proposal laying out their plans for the charging network in their state, and they, they proposed this to the federal government. This includes all of the states in the United States, including D.C. Washington, D.C. is not a state, and Puerto Rico. So all of the, the U.S. states 
Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C., they have to submit a proposal to the federal government based on, you know, where they think the EV chargers would be best suited in their states. We now know that the Biden administration has approved proposals from 35 states, and these proposals or plans will provide a charging infrastructure covering 53,000 miles of highway, which seems like a lot. I don't know if it is, but it seems like a lot. So congratulations to those 35 states. I can't wait to buy an EV and use your chargers in the next, I don't know, three to five years. All right, we have a lot of GM news to go through, so bear with me here. Let's see. Let me start. We mentioned over the last few weeks that Buick and Cadillac, they were going to be offering dealers buyouts if they didn't want to switch over to EVs. Uh, We now know that Chevrolet will not be offering buyouts to their dealers, so even though GM owns these companies, you know, they still op- operate separate from one another and they make their own decisions. Chevy is hoping that the Buick and Cadillac dealers that accept the buyouts will take that money and open up Chevrolet dealerships. I don't know if they will or they won't, but that's what they're hoping. So we'll see how that goes. GM will expand its autonomous taxi service Cruise and they are going to expand it to Phoenix and Austin later this year. Right now, GM is using Chevy Bolts for their taxi service, but there is a possibility that GM will use some of their upcoming EVs. They have the Equinox, the Blazer, the Silverado, which is probably unlikely, the Hummer EV, which is definitely unlikely, but I can see them using like the Cadillac Lyric for a, like an, a luxury experience, like you're going on date night and you want a car, but you, you don't want to be riding around in a, in a bolt. You, you want something nice. So you order the Cadillac Lyric and you get you pay a little bit more, but you get that luxury experience. I could see that. I don't know if they're going to do any of this. Maybe they just continue using bolts when they, when they finally release the autonomous taxis on the world. Uh, right now they're just testing. So... Let's talk about affordable EVs. I am all in on GM and other automakers making affordable EVs. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be a while before we have more than a handful of EVs under $30,000 for each automaker. And even when we get them, I'm not sure the annual production numbers, I'm not sure what they're going to look like. Like, is Chevy going to build 20,000? Uh, EVs at at $20,000 or are they going to build five or a hundred thousand? We just don't really know what that's going to look like. But having said all that, I do believe that GM, uh, when they say they want to build affordable EVs, I I believe them. I, I believe that that is their goal. This is a very underserved market. GM's CEO, Mary Barra, she was at the Goldman Sachs tech conference and she says that GM wants to provide EVs for everyone, which, like I said, it's an underserved market. I think that they'll do well. I don't know if they'll make a lot of money, but I think they're going to do well. All right. Since we've talked about GM, let's go ahead and talk about Ford. We mentioned last week that Ford CEO Jim Farley was set to address Ford dealers in Vegas in regards to EVs and selling EVs competitively, like doing things like reducing the cost at the dealer level by $2,000. Well, we now have some additional details because 
they had this event in Vegas. Tom Malogny of Inside EVs and State of Charge podcast, he was actually there. I, I put an article or a link to his article in the show notes. But Ford's big message to dealers was either either embrace EVs or you're not going to sell them at all. So Ford set up a certification program for selling EVs. You have the Model E Certified and the Model E Certified Elite. Now, the Model E Certified Ford dealers, I'm going to go into the money here in a little bit. Basically, they're going to get you know a handful of EVs every year. Um, according to Tom Malagny's article, those EVs are going to go to like their their best customers. Like these are the the these are the dealerships that don't want to fully commit to EVs, but they don't want to turn away customers who have been buying cars for the last forty or fifty years from their dealership. They want to keep them happy. So that's kind of where the Ford E certified standard comes from. Now, the Ford E-Certified Elite is a little bit different. You're not going to have a limit as to how many EVs that Ford will send you, but it's going to cost you quite a bit more to get this Elite certification. Now, I do want to go over the Model E-Certified standards. So training, dealers will need to undergo extensive EV training on an ongoing basis. So it's not like you just sit through a class for 15 minutes and then you're like, okay, you're EV certified. No, these dealers and and sales folks, they're going to have to go through constant ongoing um, education about uh, EVs, which I think is great. There are some requirements for DC fast charging based on which level you're at. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Set pricing, transparent, non-negotiable, available online. We've already discussed that. Excellent physical experience. Model E dealers must deliver an excellent ownership experience, including complimentary pickup and drop-off for vehicle service visits. And it's not that they pick you up at your house and drop you off. It's like they pick up the vehicle and drop you drop and fix it and then drop it back off at your house. Or they have mobile service vans that will come out and fix your vehicle, which is pretty cool. And then develop some sort of digital experience, which is invest in building a digital ownership experience for the future. I don't know what that means, but that's something they have to do. I'm sure it's spelled out on some level. Dealers have until the end of October 2022, so just a couple of weeks away, to choose between one of the three options. Now, depending on if you go with Model E Certified or Model E Certified Elite, that'll depend on how much money you're going to spend. You can be investing in between $500,000 at a low end all the way up to $1.2 million to become EV Certified. Model E Certified folks, this was not the Elite. Like I said, they're only going to be able to sell a limited number of EVs each year, but they will be able to provide maintenance and repair these EVs, which is another form of income for them. And they have to have one public uh, accessible DC fast charger for people to use. Now, the Model E Certified Elite folks, they're going to spend between $900 and $1.2 million. All of this changes depending on where you live, because if you're going to be building, you know, updating your your dealership in LA, it's going to cost you more than updating your dealership in Omaha. Elite dealers will be allocated more EVs, but they have it comes with some more stipulations. They got to have at least two DC fast chargers and one level two charger 
on property and the one of the two DC fast chargers needs to be available to the public. Now I don't know if you own, you know, a Kia EV6 and you drive up and you want to charge your car, I don't know if you're going to be able to charge your car at this this dealership. I would assume so because it, it makes sense to me that dealers want people to be on the lot looking at cars, but um, maybe not. Uh, I've been to some dealerships where it doesn't have the friendliest vibe, to be honest with you. It has a creepy vibe, but... Um, I don't know if there's a way for dealers to recoup. Like if you plug in, maybe you have to pay them a little bit of money. I, I, I think that would be foolish if they did that. But, you know, dealers are weird. So I, I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you what they're thinking. Um, now, the third tier, which is dealers who choose not to sell EVs at all, they're welcome to continue selling ICE vehicles for as long as they want or until Ford phases them out. The biggest thing um, is these dealers are not allowed to sell EVs at all. Like, I'm sure they can sell used EVs, but they can't sell new EVs at all. And I believe they can't work on them at all either. And there's quite a bit of equipment that you got to buy uh, for these vehicles. So what happens if these, these dealers decide in, you know, 2024 that they want to sell EVs. Well, Ford does have a path for these dealers, but they can't apply to sell EVs again until 2025. And then if their application is accepted, they can't start selling EVs till 2027. So dealers have a, a, a really tough decision to make because if you don't buy, if you don't get EV Model E certified with Ford, you could be five years away from selling an EV, um, which, you know, I, I don't think at this point EVs are going to go anywhere. So that could really hurt your business if it turns out that EVs are selling better than ICE cars by 2027. I think Ford is wielding a pretty big stick here. Ford CEO Jim Farley told CNBC, we're betting on dealers. We're not going to go direct, but we need to specialize. The main message I have for dealers, which I have never said before because I didn't believe in it, believe it was true, is that you could be the most valuable franchise in our industry. Now, for Ford to actually sell direct to customers like the, uh, like Tesla does and Rivian, uh, that would be very difficult because they already have an established network in place. There are a lot of laws. There's, uh, you know, the auto industry as a lobby. Um, I don't know that, I don't know that ex cutting dealers out of the equation is, is a smart move for Ford. And it sounds like they don't believe that it is either. Uh, I, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. If you have thoughts on this or GM's plans for making affordable EVs, email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, let's jump into our Tesla news. If you're looking to buy a solar roof, then you should know that Tesla is requiring you to purchase at least one power wall at the same time. And if you're like, oh my gosh, they're not building power walls fast enough. Well, I have some good news for you. Tesla is producing 6,500 power walls a week. When you compare that to Q2 2022, Tesla was only installing 23 solar roofs per week. So, which is pretty far off of their goal of a thousand. But if you, if you consider that Tesla's producing 6,500 power walls a week and they're only installing 2,300 power, or 23 power walls a week, you're, you're going to be okay. It's rumored that Canada's industry and innovation minister, Francois Philippe Champagne, which I totally butchered, will meet with Tesla here in the United States. This further fuels the rumors of a potential Gigafactory location somewhere in Canada, which I honestly hope is going to be the case, because I think that would be awesome for our Canadian friends. You know what? I have some good news. It's official. Tesla has officially opened its supercharger network to all EVs, which is fantastic. The only downside here, and it's not a downside if you live in Iceland, but the only downside here is if you if you don't live in Iceland, this doesn't apply to you. Uh, but I'm sure more countries are coming soon. Battery production is set to start at Giga Berlin in Q1 2023. We assume that Tesla will be producing 4680 battery cells at this factory. I think they've said that, but I, I couldn't find it for sure. So I'm going to say we assume uh, these 4680 battery cells will most likely be used on the Model Y. Oh, you know what? We have more good news on the battery front for Tesla. Tesla has access to all the battery it needs for the first time in recent history, according to Martin Viega, VP of Investor Relations at Tesla. Viega was speaking at the Goldman Sachs Tech Conference, and here's what he had to say. For the first time I can remember, we can easily access all the supply we need for both businesses. Now, by both businesses, he's referring to the energy business and the automotive business. Cell constraints have 
plagued Tesla since the beginning of Model 3. It's probably been going on for longer than that, but definitely since Model 3. In some cases, Tesla had to choose between building power walls or building cars. So that's how long this has been going on. For the last couple of years, Tesla has been working with multiple battery manufacturers to ensure that they have enough cells. These include LG Energy Solutions, Panasonic, and CATL. So it sounds like as these, these, these third party manufacturers and Tesla, as they have ramped up their production lines, they are finally getting to a point where battery cells aren't going to be a huge constraint when it comes to building the cars. It's not going to be a bottleneck, I should say, but it's not enough. It's not just enough to have all these third party battery manufacturers building cells because Tesla and other EV companies, they need to have access to raw materials like lithium, nickel, manganese, cobalt, you know, lithium right now is at all time high. So all these materials that are used to make up a battery, it's, it's great if you have the lines that could build a battery. It's not so great if you don't have, you know, the, the processes in place and the contracts in place to actually get you the materials to build the battery. So basically what I'm saying here is all of the hard work that Tesla has done over the last six years that they've been complaining about not having enough battery cells, it looks like that's finally paying off. And that's pretty awesome. I should say that this doesn't apply to the 4680 battery cells. They're still you know, a little constrained on those, but that's just because they're figuring things out. Uh, this would be more for like for the 2170 cells. A few weeks ago, we talked about Tesla's back to work policy and that policy is not sitting well with Tesla employees. I don't, I can't remember how long ago it was. It was a month or two. Elon said that all salaried employees needed to report back to their assigned offices. Like you, you couldn't be assigned in, let's say, uh, Northern California and go to the office in Austin, Texas. That doesn't work out. You have to go back to your assigned office. And Elon said that employees that don't show back up at the office will, Tesla will just assume that they quit or resigned. To ensure employees are actually coming into work, Tesla's been monitoring them through badge in and badge out, which if I was a salaried employee, I would find to be very insulting. I, I, for a while, my work made us do that, and I found it to be extremely insulting, uh, and I'm an hourly employee, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to get into that. But it's not all bad news for salaried employees. They, there are, uh, there is a stipulation where they can work remotely if they'd like. And here's the stipulation. Salaried employees need to work more than 40 hours at the office. Like they, if you work your 40 hours at the office, you, after that 40 hours that you're required to work, you can bring your work home with you and then work remotely, which <laughs> it's great. That, that's so kind of you, Tesla. Thank you very much for letting me work more than 40 hours a week. According to CNBC, Tesla doesn't have enough room and resources at their offices to bring salaried employees back to the office. Just an example, in San Francisco, they made their employees come back for a three-day work week. The problem was they didn't have enough space, desks, infrastructure in the office to accommodate all these people that would be coming in. So they decided to stagger a two-day a week work schedule for these employees to accommodate because they just couldn't fit everybody. And according to the article, weekly absentee reports are sent directly to Elon, which it's not like Elon's Tesla has 
tens of thousands of employees. Tesla, Elon's not getting like this employee was out eight times in this month. He's not getting that kind of stuff. He's getting like overall numbers. Um, but this, as you can imagine, has caused some decline in morale at Tesla. And it is worth mentioning, and this is kind of why I've been a little bit snarky about this. It is worth mentioning that prior to COVID, Tesla was very accommodating uh, to remote workers and the remote workers, you know, their schedules and stuff like that were mainly managed by their team managers, which is the way it should be. And if you're not performing um, as a remote worker, then you should probably be let go. But if you are performing and you're doing a good job, there's probably not a whole lot of need for you to go into the office. Now, there are some jobs where it makes total sense that you need to go into the office, but there are other jobs where you probably don't. Like I have a lot of friends who are remote workers. Uh, most of them are programmers, but they're remote or, or they have something to do with, with the tech industry. But it, if it's your, if you're, if you're not required to go into the office and you can't support, like as a company, the company can't support you at the office. I don't see the need to go in. So I'm, I'm on the salaried employees uh, side in this situation. All right, let's move on here. Tesla has some pretty fantastic crash test ratings for their vehicles. Recently, though, it was discovered that Tesla has some special codes in its software that somehow is related to crash testing uh, sites with auto safety agencies. So... Um, you know, the IIHS here in the United States, when they do a, a crash test, well, the car recognizes that the, the, the agency, I think Tesla has to provide these cars, but they recognize that the agency is going to be doing the crash test. And there's some code that tweaks some settings from the car, a, a, you know, behind the scenes that you can't, that's not forward facing. Like you wouldn't know that these settings are being tweaked. Um, green, the only, which who is a, a pretty, uh, well-known Tesla hacker. We've talked about, uh, talked about him on the show quite a bit. Um, he saw that Tesla has been adding code that, like I said, tweak the car's settings that mentions crash, crash test agencies by name. And some of these agencies include ANCAP, which is Australia's safety uh, testing, Euro NCAP, which is Europe, iVista, China, Korea NCAP, so yeah, it's a, it, it seems a little suspicious that Tesla has one-off builds based on the crash test agency that's going to be testing their vehicle running in the background that you can't really, you don't really know is running in the background unless you're a, a, a hacker and you can look at this stuff. Um, cause these changes are being made without the knowledge of the agency that's testing the car. Now, does this mean that Tesla is somehow manipulating the results? Probably not. If you ever watch a crash test, like they run things into the car. I don't know. And there are sensors all over the car and sensors on the dummies and stuff like that and sensors on the the machines. And they have cameras and they measure all this stuff out. It's all done very scientifically. I don't know that this has anything to do with the crash test ratings themselves. Tesla has not said what this software, why uh, these little tweaks in the software exist and these mentions of of the agencies, it could be something completely benign. Um, I've I saw some people on Twitter, which is oh, of course it's always on Twitter, who were um, 
you know, hair on fire, kind of like Tesla's manipulating the crash test data. Well, I don't know that you can because that's that's physical data that is being collected by people who are, you know, engineers and scientists and stuff. They, they're probably not going to be fooled by something that's happening uh, software-wise by, by Tesla. Like they actually run tests and, and use the data that, that they get from running the test. They don't accept the, the information from Tesla. So I don't know what it could be. I do think that Tesla needs to explain what's going on. I, 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 I think that would be fair. All right, folks, we're almost done. Only two more articles to go here. Tesla may have to make some changes to autopilot in Germany, according to Electric. The Federal Motor Transportation Authority, or KBA, in Germany has some concerns about autopilot. This is due to (laughs) abnormalities related to autopilot. I said it. I got it right. Uh, We don't really know what the abnormalities are. Uh, That's not really uh, spelled out. We do know that one of them has to do with like automatic lane changes in Europe may or may not be illegal. So that's something that Tesla needs to address. And I guess somebody needs to find out if they are in fact illegal in in Europe. But we don't know what the KBA is calling abnormalities. We don't know what issues that need to be solved. We know that some of those issues have been solved. And the ones that haven't, KBA has reached out to Tesla to, to get answers as to why things are acting the way that they are. But, uh, you know, we don't know if Tesla's responded to them. If they, if they don't respond in, you know, a timely manner or give a, a, satif- a satisfactory answer, KBA will have to step in and address the issues, whatever they, they might be. I don't know what they are. I don't know if this is a German thing, um, this little black box of abnormalities. I don't know if that's a German thing or if that's like, wouldn't it make sense that you would tell people what these problems are that you're trying to address? I, I don't know. Maybe it's just lost in translation. So we'll we'll just leave it at that for now. Now, let's go ahead and jump into our final story here. And it, it the last three stories, it feels like I'm picking on Tesla, and I'm really not. They just happen to be three big stories, and they're kind of negative towards Tesla. Again, I'm a Tesla fan. I'm hoping to own a Tesla one day. Basically, I didn't write these articles, and I didn't do the things that that Tesla's being accused of. So uh, I'm not spreading hate. I'm spreading news, and I'm trying to keep it, you know, even keeled. Anyway, Tesla is facing a class action lawsuit here in the U.S. over allegedly misleading the public regarding autopilot, enhanced autopilot, and full self-driving. And I am quite frankly shocked it took this long for a class action lawsuit to be brought against Tesla over these issues. At the at its base, the lawsuit alleges that Tesla's approach to selling vehicles that aren't fully developed and Tesla's habit of missing timelines is misleading to buyers and autopilot and full self-driving packages are faulty, basically deceptive marketing. They fooled people into thinking that the cars would drive themselves. I had friends that thought the Teslas would drive themselves. Like, and I, and no matter what I told them, I was like, well, that's not true. You still got to pay attention. No, no, I saw it. It'll drive itself. So, so I, I kind of see where they're going here. 
according to a press release, the lawsuit filed today alleges that Tesla has yet to produce a fully self-driving car. Tesla owners receiving the latest updates to Tesla's autopilot software and FSD beta software have reported a myriad of problems, such as cars having difficulty making routine turns, running red lights, and steering into oncoming traffic. There have also been numerous collisions involving Tesla's purportedly uh, cutting-edge software, including vehicles crashing into crashing at high speeds into large stationary objects such as emergency vehicles and an overturned box truck. I don't know that that's happened all that recently, but yeah, that's happened in the past. Joe Kochit, a partner at the law firm, put, law firm putting together this class action suit, had this to say. As alleged in the complaint, people have relied upon representations of Tesla that the self-driving capabilities are completely safe when Tesla knew that they had many problems. Now, I don't know that Elon has ever come out and said that the software is perfect. I do know, however, that he he says a lot of things that are, are um fanciful about full self-driving and autopilot. And when we get them like 10.69, it turns out to be an upgrade in some ways and a downgrade in others. And again, I don't blame Tesla for this. It's, it's difficult. So I do need to preface the, the, the rest of what I'm going to say with this is I need to be careful here because I'm not a lawyer and I often get it wrong when it comes to things that involve lawyers and the law and and how this whole thing is set up. So I just want to make sure that everybody's aware of that. What I say might be wrong in the eyes of how the law looks at things. But I understand why the people, like some people, may feel like they've been ripped off and maybe even uh, lied to or misled. One of the articles that I read gave Tesla AI Day as an example. Now, I can't, I can't guarantee this this video that i'm going to talk about came from ai day but i think it did i didn't write this down um i'm just remembering this now i meant to write it down but basically the video showed a tesla driving around residential streets and it said or public streets and it said that the driver was basically there because he was legally uh, required to be in the driver's seat but the car was doing all of the driving and the car was doing a really good job of driving around these streets it even parked itself it was pretty impressive like it was a pretty impressive demo, pretty impressive video. Um, but because Tesla does things like this, like, hey, this car is driving itself and look how good it's doing. Uh, I, I I do think that and Elon's comments on Twitter and, and other things and, and other places and interviews and stuff. I do think that that could be misleading. Now, is it misleading in a legal sense? I have no idea. Is it misleading, you know, just as a regular human being? I think so. Um, Elon keeps making claims that full self-driving level four, level five autonomous driving will be out by the end of the year, year after year, he makes this, this statement. And, you know, that's, that's every year since I've been doing this podcast for the last six years, shortly after I started the podcast, uh, Tesla released hardware two, And, you know, as we all know, uh, hardware two was supposed to have full self-driving and it didn't. And now we're on hardware three and hardware four. And I'm not going to belabor this because I talk about this all the time. Um, basically, what this comes down to is I don't know if Tesla's broken any laws. I do feel like they have not delivered on what they've promised. Um, but more importantly here, I want to know what you think on this. So you can email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. Um, and let me know what you what you think.
Is Tesla guilty of misleading the public or are, are they just caught up in their own hubris? I don't know. Hopefully you do. Tell me. Uh, right before we leave here, I forgot I was, I was supposed to put this up at the top of the show and I just completely spaced it. I just remembered it right now. Last week I mentioned that Blue Cruise, the, the feature that Ford has for their autonomous driving, uh, would, one of the cool features that it had would, it was, it would suggest a lane change if the system thought that you would get somewhere faster. Like if, hey, if you get in the left lane, you're going to get to where you're going two minutes faster. And I mentioned that I didn't think that Tesla offered this feature. Well, Steve Sheridan emailed me today, and it turns out Tesla does offer this feature. So um, I have resources of people that I can go to to ask. I didn't. I just assumed, and I caught up. I got caught up in assumptions. So uh, my bad. I should have. I should have checked this out before I said that. But uh, pretty cool feature, honestly. So thank you again, Steve. If if I say something that's wrong on this show, um, I'm please let me know because I don't know everything. I don't have an electric vehicle. Even if I did have an electric vehicle, I wouldn't have every electric electric vehicle. So if you know something that I don't, please let me know because that's the only way I'll learn. All right, everybody, that is it for me this week. Thank you all for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I will see you next Friday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.